0: Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church to make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. God brought you tonight to just remind you maybe you just needed a little bit of reminding that as long as he is in control all is gonna be well if you could just let go if you could just trust if you could just believe in your heart that the god who set you free time and time again the gods that the same god that's opened doors time and time again is the same god that's here today he hasn't lost any of his strength he's not less powerful than what he was yesterday if you give it an opportunity, if you could put all your trust in Him, all will be well. How many believe that? Come on, can you move out of your seat? Touch two or three people. This is too much to stay with it yourself. Share it with somebody and tell them, you know what, whatever you're going through, it is all well in our soul. Amen. Yes, we truly believe that with all our hearts. We truly do. Praise the Lord. Welcome to JTP Church once again. It's good to have all you guys. It's good to be here again on a Sunday night. I believe that God has something fresh for us and I'm excited to share about what God put in my heart. Last night I was about to go to bed but before that I wanted to read the Bible a little bit. It must have been 10 30 and I had something planned out before that and I just started reading the word and I don't think it's a coincidence that Jesus started speaking a little bit about David. It's funny because I never do this but I just laid in bed, and I got an old Bible that I haven't used like in, it's got to be like 10 years. I just pulled it out of my bookcase, and I just laid down, and I opened it. And wherever I opened it, I started reading. And God just started speaking to me in such a way, and I felt from God that it was important to share it with you. And I just want to share this with you, and I called today's message, "Built by Building. And I want you to say it with me. Say, "Built by Building. And as we go along with the sermon, uh, as we continue to go into the Word of God, you're gonna start to see what that title means and how it applies to your life. Amen? But all of us are building something. How many say amen? We're all building stuff in our lives. We're building a career. Some of you guys are young. going into college. You're building your future. Some of you guys are passionate for ministry. You know that God has a calling for your life, for full-time ministry. And and, you know, little by little, you're building on that, right? We're all building. The day of tomorrow, for those that are single here, is one day having a family and building a family, building a marriage relationship. And then the kids come, and we're all building something in life. So this is going to be very useful for every single one of you guys. But most specifically, I want to I want you to be able to believe this for ministry because I believe that God has called every single one of us to be able to build His kingdom. So go with me quickly to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 7, and we're going to read there. If you have a bookmarker, we're going to stay there, so we're going to read all or most of chapter 7, 2 Samuel chapter 7, and we're going to start in the first verse. It says, now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house. And the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around. Verse 2 says what happens afterwards. But I realize that verse number 1 is incomplete without verse number 2. But I want to stop here. Because yesterday, as I was reading this, I didn't even get to verse 2. And God just started pouring out over my life and things to declare. So I started jotting down. Many people tonight that are here, that you're probably going through crazy situations in your life. And one of the things I jotted down is that the craziness that you've had to deal with is gonna stop and God will give you rest. It's it's talking about the king. He's sitting down, he's getting some rest. He's just sitting down and resting. And sometimes we picture a king in our minds, we picture a president, they're always on the go, they're always doing stuff. But he's just resting here. And 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 God told me, Look, it's gonna come time in people's lives that right now it's it's crazy. You're probably going through a crazy time in your life, a lot of things out of sync, just, just going crazy. And God's word for you tonight is that a lot of this is gonna stop, and God's gonna give you rest. I'm here to start this message by telling you that the dysfunction that may be in your life right now. All the battles that you've been fighting, all the messed up stuff people have put you through, if that's the case, that you've had to endure is about to stop, and God is about to give you rest. Can somebody say amen? I feel God bringing rest to many of you that in the last couple of weeks or last couple of months, your faith has been tested, and you're still standing and you're still remaining, God's going to bring rest to your life. I feel a rush from heaven sweeping through your family, restoring relationships. I felt last night a sense of, of the blessing of God pouring over your household, making you rich without adding sorrow, as the Word of God says. I can see how sickness, disease, and depression that's been lingering for way too long, in an instant, God will make it dissipate at God's command, and he is going to bring rest. Come on, let's do something. Stand on your feet if you believe this word. And I want you to go to two or three people. I know you just finished doing that. But this is good because you guys look way too comfortable there. And this is too good of a word to just receive it sitting down. Go to somebody that's standing up and tell them rest is coming to your life. Come on, move out of your seat. Get out of your aisle. Tell somebody rest is coming. I don't know what area it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be in your finances. I don't know if you've been struggling with your relationships. I don't know if you've been struggling with your money, but the word of God right off the bat in verse 1 is that rest is going to come. Amen. You may be seated. You see, many times we fall into a trap and we feel that what we're going through right now is here to stay. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. You know, you may be going through a difficult situation or maybe you're not going through it now. But at one point in your life, you went through a really big challenge with your family or with respect to your health. And when you're in the middle of the challenge, you feel that that challenge or that situation is going to last forever. And should there be a change in the situation, sometimes we're more inclined to believe that change is going to come for the worst instead of for the better. But I'm here to tell you that when God has his hand over you, you better believe that the situation is going to change and it's never going to be for the worst. It's going to be for the better. God is going to fully restore things that have been severed. He's going to bring back things that have been lost. He's going to make you recover things that you've lost along the way or that the enemy have stolen. So get ready because there's an incredible time that God is bringing over his church. I want you to raise your right hand with me. You am going to declare this with me. Say, before the night is over, God is going to have restored something in my life. And if you believe that word, seal it with a big amen. Awesome. So, so check this out. We're reading verse number one of chapter seven of Second Samuel. And if that's the first thing that you ever read, like yesterday, yesterday, you know, I, I went and I opened it and that's the first thing I read. If you've never had an encounter, if you never knew about King David and that's the first thing you read, you probably think that he's, he's lazy and he, all he's doing, he's resting. But that's not the case. You know, you probably think that King David spends his time, you know, just sitting back on his rocking chair, you know, sipping some country time lemonade and doing nothing. But here's a little story, a little history to catch you up on David. You see, King David had a pretty eventful beginning to his reign. Jesus started sharing a little bit today about what he was before he was king. That's a whole story in itself. We don't have time to talk about the whole history of David, but when David was there, the kingdom was divided. There was the tribe of Judah, which was one of the 12 tribes of Israel. They had a kingdom. And then there was the other tribes, which was the rest of the 11 tribes of Israel. So David was first anointed king over Judah, just one tribe. And Saul's son, Saul was the first king of Israel. His son, Ishbosheth, if somebody's looking for a name for a child, that uh, would be a good consideration. Ishbosheth, there's a Bosh in that name. Ishbosheth was king over Israel. So for two years, it was crazy. You could read this in 2 Samuel chapter 1 all the way up to chapter 6. There was a whole civil war. There was people stabbing each other in the gut. There was beheading. Heads were flying all over the place. It was just crazy. And finally, at the age of 30 years old, when David turns 30, David is anointed king of all of Israel and Judah, just all the 12 tribes. And the Bible goes on to say, I'm just summing all this up for you just so that you won't have to read all of that. They conquered the Jebusites. They retook Jerusalem. He established his palace in Zion, which was later known as the city of David. He also killed all the Philistines. They brought the ark back to Jerusalem, which represented the presence of God. You see, the Philistines had taken the ark. And this was so sacred to the people of Israel. It was where God inhabited. It's like God was no longer with us. But now that David is anointed king, one of the first things that he wanted to do is bring the presence of God. Man, it would be amazing if some people today would stand up and say, you know what? My house needs the presence of God. I need to recover that. I need to start doing something to get the presence of God back into my house. Somebody needs to do it. So David said, man, I have to do something about it. So they recovered. They defeated the. The Philistines they recovered the Ark, they brought it back. And as you guys remember, David was so happy that the Ark of the Covenant was back in Israel that he started dancing so hard and twirling around that his clothes fell off. And Micah, which was one of his wives, this was the prized daughter. That was given unto David for defeating Goliath. It was one of Saul's daughter. She despised them for dancing before God. And the Bible says that because she despised them, she never was able to have kids. Tell somebody close to you, be careful to criticize God's people. She just opened her mouth and said, you danced like a fool there before people. It offended God. And she wasn't able to have kids for the rest of your life. So check this out. All this drama finally is done. The drama is finally over. Enter chapter 7 of 2 Samuel, which we just started reading right now. The king is in his rocker. He's in his home enjoying the rest that God had given him from his enemies, from everything we just talked about. You could tell that he wasn't a lazy king. He had been through hell and beyond in this short age of his life, you know, running from Saul even before he was king. Saul wanted to kill the guy. He was hiding in caves. And finally, finally, this guy has a time to sit down on his rocker, drink some Arizona iced tea, And just relax. And this is what I love. Verse number two. It says, the king said to Nathan, the prophet, see now I I dwell in a house of cedar. Cedar is a very good wood. He's trying to say, I live in this beautiful house. But the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. And then Nathan said to the king, go, do all that is in your heart for the Lord is with you. Now, let me share a little bit about you, what the Lord ministered to me last night. It amazed me that after all David went through, all the hell that he's been through to get to where he is now, all the battles he fought, while he is sitting down on his rocking chair, sipping on some lemonade, he still has God's house in mind. You know, ministry can sometimes be really draining for those that have served, for those that preach, It's not just the physical aspect of it, it's the spiritual aspect. You see, I have to drink up in order to come and give to you guys, so you guys could drink up of the Spirit. If I don't drink up, I have nothing to give but words. But sometimes, not just physically, but spiritually, after you minister, after ministry, you feel like you've been squeezed, right? And you've got nothing left. It could be really draining. And if you don't replenish your strength and take Your problems plus the problems of all the people that you've been counseling or that people have been sharing with you and lay them at the feet of Christ, you can easily become a martyr before your time. But there have been many times, in my experience, after a week-long conference, we used to have week-long conferences during Thanksgiving week. For those that remember Conquista, it was Monday through Sunday, day and night, week-long conferences or just very intense ministry activities that you get home and... I sit down in my sectional, and I tell Carly, I don't want to see people. I don't want to know anything about people. I don't want to hear my phone ring. I just want to sit down here and sip on a country time lemonade. And this is why David amazes me. Because David, man, this guy, he finally, 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 at the age of 30, gets a chance to sit down after all he's done, after all he's conquered, and can get his mind off the house of God. He's like, I'm sitting here in my palace. Well deserved, am I right? He deserved to sit there. Man, you want to take a month vacation? You want to take a sabbatical? Take a sabbatical. Take a year off. You've done amazing. You've united the kingdom. You've defeated Goliath. You've done this. The Philistines. You brought the ark. Take a sabbatical. You deserve it. But he's just, one day, he's just sitting down, chapter 7 of Second Samuel, and he can't stop to think about the house of God. I've heard some people complain that they serve too much. And I know sometimes it could get exhausting. And I know that sometimes because other people are not willing to serve, they serve more. They have to do their part and somebody else's part, which is not fair. I've heard people say, you know, it's just too much. It's just I, I can't handle it. But then I've seen situations where, you know, you just stop taking time off. And I've seen how the enemy uses that. And, you know, I'd rather be so involved in the service of god i'd rather be so involved doing what god called me to do blessing people serving god with a grateful heart and not having too much time in my hands there's been times that we've had a very intense week and we've had probably services like this fast week this fast week we've had 12 services in 10 days and we had like consecutive services and it was just crazy and you're like oh my gosh there's so much activity going on but then you get home and you have a day off. When that day is over and you go to sleep, you're like, what did I do? I just watched TV. Sometimes we don't value how important it is to be busy. It's good to be busy. It's good to be involved in the house of God. That's what I see in David. And yesterday I was laying down. I was meditating in this. I loved what he said. How come I live in this beautiful palace and the ark that represents God's presence, God's house, stays in a raggedy old tent? This can't be. And he calls a prophet. He puts down his lemonade. He picks up his iPhone 6 Plus, right? And he calls a prophet, Nathan. he says, dude, I lived in this beautiful place. I'm resting. It's been amazing. But God doesn't even have a house. And Nathan answers him and he tells him, do all that is in your heart. Whatever God is putting in your heart to do, go ahead and do it. God is still searching today and looking for radical people that will have the kingdom of God in their hearts 24-7. God is looking for people, not that they'll be Christians for two hours on Sunday. Because Christian is not something that you do. Being a Christian is not something that you do. It's a lifestyle. It's someone that you are. God is looking for David's today, Filled of the Holy Spirit and having the desire to serve God and to do all that is in you. To be able to push forward the kingdom of God. To get more people to know about Jesus. Even during break time. Even at work. While you're in school. While you're watching the game. You're thinking about building God's kingdom. You're thinking about, what can I do to please the Lord? Is there anybody here that has that desire in their hearts? Yeah? Some people think or consider that serving God is a drag. I don't get it when, when someone thinks that they can do well in life without having a personal relationship with Christ. God is still looking for a few Davids. And after all this, God responds David has this desire, and he shares it with the prophet. And he tells the prophet, you know what? I'm not in agreement with this situation. I feel bad that God's house is not how it should be. My house is better than God's. It doesn't make any sense. Well, go do whatever you want. And God speaks to the prophet that night, and the prophet goes on and tells David everything God told him the following day. In verse 8, all the way through 11, same chapter 7. It says, Now therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone, and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and have made you a great name like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people, Israel. And will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them anymore as previously. Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused you to rest from all your enemies, also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. Now this is pretty crazy. God is telling David, you want to build me a house? even before verse 8, God starts with Nathan, and he starts telling him, look, I've never asked them to build me a house, and have I ever gone up to you guys and say, hey, you guys are living in nice houses, and where's my house? And God just was so pleased out of this decision that just came out of the heart of David that he said, you know what, I'm going to build you a house. You probably are thinking, well, David has an amazing house. Why would God want to build his house? But if you go into the Greek, You realize that God's not talking about a physical house. He's not talking about a palace. He's talking about a royal dynasty. He's talking about something that's going to last generation after generation after generation after generation. And that's the way God thinks about you. You see, sometimes we're so busy building our own stuff. We want to build, and we ask God, God, help me build my stuff help me build my situation help me build my fortune help help me build this help me build that and God is saying you build my house and I will take care and build your house and it's going to be a blessing from generation to generation not only will I bless you your children will be blessed your grandchildren will be blessed your great-grandchildren will be blessed but all that we could be people that would really have a heart to build God's house. Sometimes we're so into ourselves and we're just busy building our future. And we leave God to the side. We give God time whenever we can. But we spend more time complaining about the things that God doesn't give us instead of taking a time and saying, God, I feel uncomfortable. It's my day off and I want to go to church. What can I do? Who can I speak to about Jesus? You see, God wants passion in our lives, To be able to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and build his kingdom. And David had that passion. And God saw it, God responded, because every time you have a heart for God, God will always respond. And he told Nathan, Nathan, tell David that because he had the desire of building me a house, I'm gonna end up building him a royal dynasty. Come on, can somebody give it up? That's the way he works. That's the way he works. God was so pleased with David's heart that he chose him to continue the dynasty. That concluded with the coming of Jesus. You see that David is part of the lineage. All this promise was fulfilled. You know, David had a son called Solomon. We'll read it now in just a bit. Solomon had a son. And out of the lineage of David was birthed Jesus, the Savior of the world. Isn't that amazing? Just because one man said, I'm resting, but I feel so uncomfortable. I should be out, you know, slaughtering some Philistines or I should be doing something. I'm just resting here. Okay, you know what? How about I build you a house? God is looking for young people. God is looking for adults. God is looking for women and men that are willing to have that heart for God to say, I want to do something. I want to use my youth, use the years that I have left to be able to build God a house. Come on, somebody shout, build God's house and God will build mine. It's the way it works. God continued on and said, when your days are fulfilled, verse number 12, and you rest with your fathers. In other words, when you will be no longer here. And you know, sometimes when, when we think about God, we, we're just so selfish and we think about ourselves, but God is a generational God. He thinks about your children. He thinks about 20 generations down the road. We can't think that far. We're not God, but God thinks that. And God is telling him everything that's going to happen. Pay attention to what we're going to read. He's telling him about everything that he's planned to do for generations. When your days are fulfilled, in other words, when you're already old and you're buried and you're resting with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I removed before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. He repeats it twice. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so Nathan spoke to david so what does this have to do with you and me i want to present and close up with a challenge i want you to pay close attention probably asking well how can i build god's house you know is is pastor jonathan talking about this because we're about to move and we need some construction workers not exactly what i was thinking about we might need that too but that's not what i'm referring to maybe it's about giving Maybe you're thinking, you know, about giving into the kingdom of God. Well, you know, we're a church that we always encourage giving because the Bible says that it's important to give. And it's through giving that God gives back to you. But that's not what I'm getting at today. You see, back then, God's people was Israel, period. There was no evangelism. It wasn't about getting the word out of the gospel like we do today and getting people, the Philistines, to convert, getting the Jebusites to convert. It didn't work that way. There was the people of Israel, and the only way you could be an Israelite or a children of God is if you were born to an Israelite. Back then, it was just about building a house for God. Why? Pay attention to this because this is so important. Why did God have an ark of the covenant and instruct Moses to build it so that he could be there, and that would represent the presence of God? You see, because God wants to always be close to the people. But because of the sin, God couldn't be with the people. Because God is a holy God, and where there is sin, there's death, and God cannot be where there's death. So the closest way that God could be with the people was through the Ark of the Covenant. This was so important because despite the fact that these people, humanity turned their backs on God, he wanted to still remain close to the people, to help them. He loved them. And creating this Ark of the Covenant and representing the presence of God meant that God was as close as he could to the people but not as close as he would want to because as you know the ark of the covenant wasn't a place that was accessible to everybody the holies of holies was a place where the high priest could go only once a year and he better make sure that he was right with god when he would go there or he would die he would have to cross this veil and he would have to cross and nobody can go with him they would tie a rope to him to make sure that he's okay and they had these bells that lined up the bottom of his robe. So when the priest would go into the holies of holies, once a year, just once a year, you could hear the bells ring. If the guy was up to no good, God would kill him right there. And he would die, and you wouldn't hear the little bells, and that was like the cue, all right, let's pull this joker out. Right? And they would drag him out with the rope. So that guy had to make sure that when he went before the holiness of God, he was right. That's as close as man could get to God. But check this out. Now through Jesus Christ, When Jesus came and gave his life for us, now we have access to the throne of God. Now, the Bible says that God doesn't dwell in a little box. No, you know what God's dwelling place is now? Right here. Our hearts. God dwells in our lives, in our hearts. So God's attempt to be close to the people in the Old Testament, it wasn't possible because of sin. But because of Jesus Christ, through his blood, covers all our sins. When you accept that sacrifice, God doesn't just come into a building like this. God comes inside of you. God comes inside of me and abides in me. Isn't that amazing? You don't have to go to a priest to tell him, oh, look, talk on behalf of me to God and tell him, God, no, 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 you can talk to God because God lives inside of you. How many say amen to that? He's a personal God. But so, so how can we build God's house now? If we are God's house, and I started thinking about this yesterday, and I'm like, well, you know, David's desire was, was great, but how does that translate into us? Well, it's not, you see, God's not calling us to build his house now. He's calling us to build his kingdom. He's calling us to bring people to his house. Come on. He's calling us to bring the lost to know God so that he could abide inside them as well. Because they could also have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. You can be here today and you could have lived the most drastic life. You could have murdered people. You could have done all the wrong things. But if today you repent with all your heart, you receive Jesus in your heart, and you say, from now on, I'm going to walk a life that pleases God the bible says that the holy spirit comes to live inside of you and he dwells inside of you just like he dwells inside of me and every single one of us in here can somebody give god praise for that that despite our sins despite our shortcomings despite our failures despite every single time that we mess up and we fall man god can still come and abide in us and we could just go to him for forgiveness now let me close off and let me share this with you because this is important Lost myself here a bit. Go with me to Luke chapter 14. God is still searching for people that even while they're sleeping, they're thinking about talking to others about Jesus Christ. We need more of this. Today, I don't know how many of you guys came to the morning services, but today the apostle, she started teaching about prayer. And I think we need to get back. We complicate things so much. And we want to get the latest revelation that's out there. But, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's good to study God's word. We need to do it. But if we're not taking the good news of the gospel, which is simple to the people that are in need, we're not building the kingdom of God. I've had nights where I've woke up and I was dreaming that, I don't know if it's from, from counseling or from ministry, but... I have dreams that I'm giving counseling to people. And I wake up and I'm giving people word. Look at Luke 14, verse 21, 23, talking about, you know, building God's kingdom and building God's house. Then the master of the house said to his servant, go out quickly. Everybody say quickly. Tell the person next to you, you can't delay. Go out quickly. And where did he send them out? He said into the streets. Everybody say into the streets. And into the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor, bring here the maimed, bring here the lame, bring here the blind. In other words, bring here all the needy. And let me tell you something, if you don't have Jesus in your heart one way or another, you're needy. One way or another, you don't have salvation. You need you need the grace of God. You see, when God created you, there's a space in your heart that only He can fill. Sometimes I hear people that have so much money, they're popular, they're that fame, and they keep saying, there's a repetitive pattern that you hear them say and they're like I just feel so empty I just feel so empty it's because you try to fill that place with junk you try to fill that space in your heart with money with women with this with that with alcohol with addictions with and and you you never could get enough because that place was just designed for God to fill and once God fills it you feel satisfied you feel like man I'm where I'm supposed to be I'm enjoying life. Maybe you don't have as much money as other people. Maybe you're going through difficult situations, but you have peace. And you know that God is with you, and that's enough for you to enjoy your life wherever you are, knowing that it's going to get better. He started telling him, bringing all these people in need. And verse 22 says, and the servant said, Master, I mean, I've done how you commanded. But there's still room. I'm here to tell you, there's still plenty of room for people in the kingdom of God. God's house is big enough to house every single person that still is not inside. So look what the master said. The master said to the servant, go out into the highways, go out into the hedges, and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. You see, before Jesus, B.C., it was all about building God's house. After Christ, after Jesus, now it's about filling God's house. I want you to touch two or three people and tell them, fill his house. You're going to start to ignite something in the person you're going to touch. Come on, touch him and tell him, fill his house. Fill his house. Fill his house with the brokenhearted. We're here to fill his house with the needy. God's called us to fill his house with those that are in pain. Fill his house with beautiful, broken people. Fill his house. You go four chapters after chapter 7, the one we just finished reading. And you come to chapter 11, and you see the same setting. You see David sitting down on his rocking chair, sipping country tide lemonade. But he lost focus. Something happened along the way where he didn't have the same heart that he had in chapter 7. He wasn't thinking about, hmm, what can I do for God's house? As a matter of fact, he was totally unfocused. And he stood up, didn't pray, and he started walking around his palace. It had a terrace on the second floor, perhaps. And as he was looking down at the edge of his palace into other people's homes, he looked down and he saw a hot lady, the Kim Kardashian of that time. <laughs> And the Bible says that she was completely naked and she was, she was showering. And the Bible says that he looked, he saw her, and he inquired about her. To make the long story short, he brought her up to her palace, he slept with her, he got her pregnant, and once she was pregnant, he called her husband and had him killed so that no so wouldn't find out. How crazy can things and how different can things go depending on how focused you are or how unfocused you are just in a matter of four chapters he did something that just moved God's heart in such a way that God told him look not just for your life but for all of your generations I'm going to establish your family to be a royal priesthood and the savior of the world is going to be born out of your lineage wow amazing four chapters later goes commits adultery, commits murder, doesn't say anything. We're living times where we need to be focused about what we're doing, and we're living times where God is requiring more. Come on, everybody say, God is requiring more of me. God doesn't want a piece of you. He's too good for you to give him just 25% of your life or two hours on a Sunday. God requires everything you are. He doesn't expect you to be perfect. He doesn't expect you to have it all together in a matter of seconds. He doesn't expect if you're living a life that's not pleasing to him to just change your life around from one day to the other. Some things take time, but he does desire for people to give him all his heart so God could help you in the process. And so that God's mindset could be transferred over to you so you could be focused about what God called you to do. Because let me tell you something. It's not about you building your empire. It's not about you building your house. It's not about you building your career. It's about you building the kingdom of God. And if you build the kingdom of God, God will make sure for generations and generations that he'll build your family. Can we give it up for Jesus? Stand on your feet. Question for us tonight, what do you think about when you're sitting down doing nothing and you're on your rocking chair or you're on your sectional sofa? What do you think about? Because those thoughts that go through your mind when you're planning and when if God is not the greatest part of those, I can tell you right now. That there's room for improvement and you have to refocus. What has got you in focus? I believe that, like we said at the beginning of the service, God is here to restore all that He promised you because He has a desire to build your house. God wants to bless you, God wants to restore things, God wants to break every curse. That was passed down from generation to generation to your family and for you to start living the blessing of God in your life, in your family now, and to pass it on to all the people that are going to come after you. Your children and the children. I know some of you guys don't even have a girlfriend. Some of you guys are single. Well, God thinks a lot further than you. And when God sees you, he's he's already planning about your seventh generation your eighth generation. He wants to build your house. but I want to confront you with a question today, and that question is, first, are you willing to take the first step to refocus and build His? Are you willing to take your focus away from you and put your focus on building God's house, on filling God's house, on taking the gospel to other people? Close your eyes there where you are. I was reading this last night and I don't think I'm doing as good as I could be doing. I'm not at my max potential. I believe that I could do a lot better. And God started creating this discomfort inside me, telling me, look, you can do better. You can do more. What do you think about when you're sitting down in your home not doing anything are you thinking about my house because if you're thinking about other things that can lead to your destruction and because of what David did God kept his promise what he told him but because of what he did to this man that he murdered and that he committed adultery and he did all these things that were crazy and whack God said that your family will also live by the sword And we've seen that David's family had so many problems. He had a son that rebelled against him and wanted to take the kingdom from him. He had another son that killed another one of his sons because he slept with one of his daughters. And he had drama in his family for a long time because, because he was unfocused and he didn't have that desire to build God's house. He lost it. He lost it along the way. So it's not just a matter of having it but growing in it. Maybe you've had that desire to build God's kingdom. Maybe you were passionately serving God at one point and whatever caused you to lose that passion. Time passed and now you're not as focused as you were. You know what? It's never too late. The good thing is that God is still calling people to repentance and God is still calling people. God is still looking for David's that would say, God, you know what? I want to build your house before I build my house, before I, God, you come first. And in me giving you the first place in my life, God in turn will build my house. And let me tell you something. I'll give you a little secret from here. God is a better builder than you are. If you let God and you start filling God's house and talking to all your friends and preaching the gospel wherever God takes you to your school, in your streets, notice that when we talked about this parable, the master said, go into all the streets quickly and talk to everybody. Bring them to my house. Fill my house. Well, God, we've done it. We've done it. We've, we've gone. We've evangelized. We went on Saturday. He says, no, 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 but the house is still not filled. But there's still room in the house. Go into every street corner. Go into every alley. Go into every dark corner and tell everybody that there's space in the house for them and that I'm waiting for them. I want to call people that just like God ministered to me last night and told me that I could be doing a lot more than what I'm doing right now you realize that you could be doing a lot more also for God and this is it's so amazing to be able to humble yourself and say God yeah yeah maybe I am a little bit unfocused it takes humility to admit that it takes humility to say God yeah maybe maybe I'm a little worried too much about my stuff and I'm not building your house and not your kingdom so today I want to recommit my life and I want to reprioritize my life and i want to put you in first place now if that's you i want you to come to the altar because i believe that god's going to take that decision i believe god's going to fill you with resources god is going to equip you the bible says that signs and wonders are going to follow and you're going to see god do amazing things every time you speak the word of god it's going to be god flowing through your mouth let me present the calling a different way If you're doing everything you can and you can't do a little bit more, then you should stay back there. How's that? If you're giving God everything you can, and even in the times where you you sit down, the little time that you have rest, like David, you're thinking about building God's kingdom, building God's kingdom, you talk to everybody you see about Jesus Christ, then you should stay back there. But if there's something else that you can do, if there's something else that you can give, if there's something else that you can humbly say unto God, God, I need to take it up a notch and I need to reprioritize and give you the best. Then, make it evident and show God by coming up here and saying, God, I'm going to do something about it. Don't come religiously. Just come and humble yourself, man. Humility is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. You don't lose anything about humbling yourself. On the contrary, you gain the whole world because the Bible says that if you humble yourself, God will exalt you. And God wants to exalt people today. God wants to build your house. Man, I got so many amens at the beginning of the service when I started saying that God's going to give you rest, right? You guys were on fire at the beginning. Yeah, God's going to give me rest from all the craziness, all the evil people in my life that are lifted up against me, all the situations that I've been battling. God's going to give me rest. Yeah, build God's kingdom first, and God will give you rest. believe that you are working we believe that you're changing things we believe God that just the decision on our part God to be able to build your house and build your kingdom God would just unleash the greatest blessing of glory over our house and not just our home and our family as it is today But for many generations, we declare, God, that our generations are a holy priesthood. We declare that our generations will be God-fearing, that our generations will follow you all their days of their lives, and not only themselves, God, but that they will lead many people to your house. We thank you, God. I want you to raise your right hand, and I want you to say this prayer with me if you were serious about tonight, and I believe all of you are. Say, Lord... I'm tired of giving you less than what you require. I want to give myself completely. And that's why I'm here tonight. I'm ready to make that commitment. I'm ready to fill your house and lead people back to the arms of the Father. Give me the strength. Give me direction. Give me passion.